Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. What is happening? Welcome to another episode of The Craft. You know, we are halfway to 10 episodes, which means we are halfway to being a real podcast. I'm so excited to be here today, especially as you're listening to this. This will be coming out on Thursday, which means spring training is finally here. Um, we've been doing some things uh, preparing for spring training. I'm going to have my what to watch for uh, for spring training with all starting pitchers. You know, I know you have some things that you're working on as well, but you know, we're going to talk about some spring training stuff today. Are you excited about it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I just had my deep league pitchers come out. And the very deepest one I'll give you because no one cares and no one's in a deep that league, uh, a, a league that deep to really care, uh, is uh, Bradford. On yeah, the, on yeah. The, I read that article. I saw it. I saw it. Good. Cody but, Bradford. He's not that bad. He's not that bad, but he goes like 750 in drafts. So like, yeah, that's pretty deep. <laughs> well, but, yeah. you know, one of the things that I was thinking about, I was thinking about Cody Bradford and, uh, and then I got something in my one of my inboxes dms emails wherever people <laughs> <laughs> ask me questions yep um and one of the things they asked me is like could you if you could bequeath you know if you could give one pitcher a new pitch what would yeah. that pitch be and what would the pitcher be and you know i'm not my answer is not cody bradford but the reason i brought up the deep league pitchers is you know if cody bradford had a workable breaking ball that would be amazing yeah. you know he has that nice change up but yeah, you know that's you know Cole Reagans was kind of that story where he started Absolutely. with the changeup, and then as he his velo got better, his breaking balls got better, and then he added that slider in double uh, A or something, um, yep. and that kind of really brought the whole package together. So, yeah, that's it's always a big deal when um, you think about a new pitch too, because there's sometimes. Guys add things. I think the most famous example for me is we were saying for ages that Tyler Glasnow needed something. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was fastball, curveball, but the problem for him was the fastball was really only this, the, sorry, the only strike pitch in his arsenal, right? The curveball was his big put away pitch. We saw those great average numbers and Woba numbers, but that's because he's getting strikeouts with those. And it's getting, it was getting hard for him to get to that two strike count with just that fastball inside the zone. And I remember one offseason, it was a splitter that he was adding. And I was like, that's cool, but that's not going to help him get strikes. He already has a put-away pitch. He yeah, can't really else. command all the rest of the pitches that way. Right. But then what did Tyler Glasnow do that made him who he is now? Well, it was the slider. And that slider is just so good. He gets a ton of strikes on that pitch. It also gets whiffs on it. And now it really ties the entire room together, right? Um, so we're looking for the rugs today. That is the, the that extra pitch that would really transform a guy. And it's not going to be about um, guys who are adding pitches. Some guys just add pitches because they just want more stuff. And that's really cool. But we are going to focus on today the, the pitchers who just need that one extra element to get over that hump that they are currently struggling with. You know, uh, mentioned this prompt to me. I thought it was fantastic and great in the context of spring training because we actually might see a lot of those changes and... For all of us, we say, wait a second, you are doing the thing that you need to be doing 
that might solve all your problems and you can be a lot better than you have in the past. So when you sent this my way, uh, you know, there must have been one guy you're like instantly, he needs one pitch and it needs to be this. Who is that? Well, yeah, I, I, I tried to keep my mind open. I did want to run the numbers first. And so I, uh, I went and looked at the biggest uh, platoon splits in baseball last year. And um, actually, I, I kind of knew what name would be at the top. And then <laughs> it was Brian Wu, the biggest platoon split in baseball last year, mm. uh, was absolutely dominant against righties and yeah. uh, against lefties, started walking them. And some of it might just be noise and home runs because he gave up you know two plus homers per nine to lefties. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there is an underlying process thing. He is a two fastball, two breaking ball guy. And I like theoretically that should be fine. It's sure. not as small an arsenal as some of the other guys. Like Bryce Miller is fifth on this list and uh, of the biggest platoon splits in baseball. And, you know, he's getting that splitter and I think he, he needs it. So, you know, that's an easy answer, but Brian Wu, I don't think it's as easy of an answer because would you give him a cutter? He kind of already throws something called a cutter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, did, will is he the type that, you know, that a splitter would take for? I think he does have what it takes, you know, otherwise to throw strikes. And so maybe just adding a splitter to it would work. But, you know, I, I think my answer is Brian Wu changeup, whatever kind of changeup it is. And I'm and I'm guessing that a guy with the type of shape that he has on his four seam that it would be a splitter. So I think Brian was a good candidate because he's got a wild arsenal. He can get strikes with other pitches. The only thing that was weird for me is that he throws this cutter low and into lefties. Yeah, he throws it down. That's right. Why doesn't he throw it? I don't higher? know. <laughs> I, like the only reason that it's not a good answer is he could theoretically be. fine with what he has if he could throw that cutter up and in on lefties then he could throw the other one you know sort of front door for called strikes if he gets Mm -hmm. them sort of leaning back right but he doesn't have he doesn't make them lean back it's like your theory about like pitching inside to to the lefties you know he doesn't really do anything there sure um and and so um i think the answer is bryce miller splitter or brian Wu slip splitter uh, but Wu is, it's not as obvious that he needs it, you know? Yeah. Bryce Miller is like fastball cutter and looking for a third pitch, you know? Right. It's actually kind of funny to me. I think like Bryce Miller needs it more than Wu does personally. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's like, it's at least theoretically, you know? Right, right. Like, yeah. Wu does need something. Obviously he had one, the biggest well, platoon split last year. So I actually, I, I, I take this back. Uh, I, I didn't actually mean it like that. Um, what I meant is I think Bryce Miller needs more help against lefties than Wu does. Yeah, I yeah. don't think the splitter is the answer for Bryce, though. Mm. So because so I put out this this tweet that is just a very broad statement. I need I feel like I need to always correct this <laughs> <laughs> because everyone thinks I just hate all splitters. You hate the splitters. Yeah, you're the splitter I guy. Don't. But yeah. every pitch has a purpose. Every uh-huh. pitch you, you inside of an arsenal has a reason for it to be there. Because you generally need certain things. You need pitches you can throw for strikes. You need pitches you want to go for whiffs. You need changes of velocity and be able to essentially do all of that together, right? And the purpose that a splitter fulfills 
is constantly put away. It is very, very, very rare to to lean on a splitter as your strike pitch. There are some exceptions. I think that Joe Ryan's splitter isn't that good as a strike pitch. And it's kind of one of the problems he might. He's someone I considered for this, by the way, mm-hmm. um, is that Joe Ryan needs a slider. And that's just how life is. Oh, uh, he but needs one. It's just he has two and he does zero. They're not good. He needs like a, <laughs> it needs like a real. He needs something to change there. But uh, yeah. um, this is not going to be the Joe Ryan podcast. I think it's very straightforward with him. Um, but what I'm getting at is when I see a guy like Bryce Miller, I see four seamer does not perform well against lefties. However, Brian Wu, his does. It's a really good four seamer against lefties right now, even if he's not being as pristine as we even want up and in. He is more, much more up and in than say down and away to lefties. But wow, Brian Wu's four seamer six oh one slugging against. It's a, a really bad four seamer against lefties, and he needs to be able to throw something else for strikes against lefties, hmm. not a put away pitch. What your splitter is, you can make the argument. Well, if you have a splitter, then batters are gonna, you know, be more hesitant to go hacking at the four seamer. Very true, and I don't think that it would necessarily be a negative addition to him. But I see it in the same way of Blasnow. He can use both, right? Because the cutter, Uh, the cutter, which is actually a gyro slider for Bryce Miller, is mm -hmm. hit two sixty three four seventy four slugging by lefties. So he gets sixteen percent whiffs. I guess if there was a third pitch in there that he really trusted, then yeah, he doesn't command it well. Lean on the cutter for, and this is actually the thing overarching when it comes to Bryce Miller. There's been a lot of talk about him, and I honestly I love it because anytime I see a, a pitcher who is not a complete package yet. I always want to hear that they're working on things. If they're not working on things, then it's just, what are we doing here? Just uh, how can I in any way expect better <laughs> yeah. performance, right? So with Bryce Miller, it's great that he's trying these new things, and that's awesome. However, I come back to, I think we even talked about it in one of the early episodes. I like Wu more than Miller because Wu's a better command guy. Hmm. He actually has this, uh, has a solid ability to attack how he wants to attack with his pitches. Sinkers, as you as you mentioned, he's so good against right-handers because he throws a sinker inside to them effectively. Is able to move his four-seamer well. He actually could give get it even slightly higher up as well. The cutter and the slider that we've seen are down. Is that ideal? Not necessarily. Cutter inside should be uh, higher up, as you mentioned. But there's a lot more uh, skill with Wu here, and I actually believe this is something I've been thinking about the past couple of weeks or so. The phrase I'm using is. Command is the market inefficiency. Uh, it's I, I'm starting to realize that there are more ways for us to quantify command. And the fact that we can both sit here and go, yeah, we know Brian Wu has more command than Bryce Miller, right? We just generally can watch him and we know that, yeah, this Bryce Miller is not really executing a game plan as much as, say, Brian Wu is. And he can go forward with that better at bat to at bat. And the guys that are able to break out and be really exceptional starters in the big leagues are the ones that have that command to some degree that have the stuff and the the ceiling that we like, but then are able to execute it effectively. And I think about some of the, the other guys in previous years who have gone from being good, but not elite starters to also elites are the ones who had stuff that we thought we could be, could be better and then had elite command. And that's like Zach Wheeler. That's Sandy Alcantara. Hmm. Uh, that is Zach Gallen. That is um, even Logan Webb even getting up there because of his command, right? 
And like they coached up the stuff. Yeah. And there absolutely is a threshold of like, if you throw 90 without a wipeout breaking ball, like, yeah, all the you can't do matter. it. Yeah. Doesn't matter. <laughs> but as long as you hit that threshold of, yeah, you have enough stuff that you can be good enough to have a 20 plus percent strikeout rate, then it's command. And I see Bryce Miller and I say, you don't have that. And mm. until I see a pitch that you can get good strikes with that is effective once, if you saw that uh, Kyle Bland put out, uh, strike minus ICR rate on mm-hmm. uh, Tuesday, which is all about, hey, throwing strikes that are also not as dangerous as other strikes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really good way to assess, like, do we want them to throw strikes or not? Like, is that now we don't a want big difference between Miller and, and, uh, uh, yeah, it does not like Bryce Miller's, I believe, in that one. Uh, uh actually, I, I should have that in front of me and I don't. Um, but, uh, my point of that is it's not always just about strike rates, about like, how are you commanding it? And we can identify, uh, who is doing that effectively or not? Um, and it's actually the best. Um, it's the best whip correlator, which is really fun because it's the two sides of whip, right? Strike rate, which is the walk side, and then ICR, which is the ideal contact rate, the hit rate stuff, right? Uh, long story short, Bryce Miller needs better command and a cutter for a strike that actually is good against lefties. Brian Wu is a great call. I think he uh, he could benefit from the splitter more. Um, because he can get strikes with his four-seamer. Um, he just needs something else. And the cutter, as he used it last year, was not good. The slider is kind of a sweep, but it's not. We don't label it as one. We actually differentiate now. Okay, and so Bryce Miller. Yeah. Uh, is it the final? Okay, strikers. Would you use the, the whip number or the strike? Um, I would. You can use a striker whip if you want, or you can just use the striker. Okay, the striker whip for, I guess that just because that makes sense to me in my head. Yeah. For Bryce Miller is 122. 1.22. Okay. And for and Wu, uh, what do we got on here? I am so tense here. <laughs> Why is it not on here? Brian Wu? No way. Yeah, maybe you didn't make the, the, the minimum. I'll, I'll reach out to Kyle. That's the case, but. Uh, minimum 1.22 doesn't pitches. sound so bad actually and I wouldn't be surprised yeah, because Location because... Plus says that you know they're both above average and I would say that generally um, something that the Mariners and and I know the Guardians specifically do is what you're talking about is kind of like let's take the guys with clean mechanics and good command and let's put them on a weighted ball program let's uh, try to coach up the the velo. Let's try to coach up the shapes. Let's like let's assemble what we need around it. But if they have good uh, fastball command as the, at the heart, like isn't that the Guardians? The Guardians are like, oh yeah, start right. with good fastball command, and we try to do a or good slider command at the very least, right? Like that's right. that's definitely something they're into. I think the Mariners have a a, sim- a similar ethos. Then they they use stuff plus to sort of build arsenals around it because they have a similar stuff plus to mine. They thought the sweeper was a great addition to everybody. It hasn't necessarily you know worked for everybody. In sure. fact, uh, just a real quick aside here: if you if we had a list of uh, new pitches that I would absolutely not want someone to have, um, <laughs> it's uh, Joe Boyle is throwing a sweeper. And yeah. I'm just like, no, 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 Yeah. He needs to be so simple. He has no command. He needs to be right. He needs to be like stuffed to the heart of the zone. He needs more zone percentage. Like he needs to just exactly throw nasty crap. He's not a command guy. So this is the kind of thing I'm getting at. It's like Joe Boyle isn't, Connor Phillips isn't. 
Yeah, so you don't um, give them sweepers because sweepers are big yeah. shapes that are hard to command. Cutters, so. I'm all for. Cutter, honestly, I feel like the cutter is one of the more underrated pitches these days. Yes, yeah, I think we should give someone a cutter today. But just just yeah. really quickly about, yeah. you know, coaching up, you starting with command and coaching up. Like I have uh, in front of me, we reran, um, we have a, a updated stuff plus, and I've got it for AAA. And, nice. um, and, you know, what's interesting is if you do the list without talking about location plus, um, you, you get a really funny list. Cause it's like a bunch of major leaguers, like some rehabbing and stuff, but like, here's the, the stuff plus list minimum three starts, Tyler glass. Now, Joe Boyle, Bobby right. Miller, uh, Tanner Bybee, Ben Brown, um, re, uh, Tristan McKenzie, Reese Olson, uh, Connor Phillips, Grayson Rodriguez, uh, Keaton Wynn, Jared Jones. Well, guess what all of the guys who haven't made the major leagues yet have in common? Uh, they have bad location plus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in fact, their average is like 94, which is really yeah. bad, you know? Yeah. And if you get to AAA and you keep throwing at AAA, why are you still throwing at AAA? Right. The answer might be command. Right. Um, and it's, it's and something I've been thinking a ton about of that focus like i uh, it makes all the sense of focusing a lot on stuff because we need the threshold of it like it's just not worth it if you don't have that and like we've also speed, seen you have like a minimum amount of bat speed that you have to have to make it to major right um it's you know it's really funny because i'm the guy that calls guys tobies right mm-hmm. <laughs> and what's the number one skill of a toby <laughs> it's command and a bunch of pitches right i uh, and well i guess what i'm getting at is how we focus on guys um, cause I mean, this is something I've been doing for ages is I've been leaning into the, uh, the stuff of like, you know, strikeout ability and just, I look at one inning and I just get so enamored and you know me of, I love pitchers who are doing crazy, crazy cool stuff and it's great. And it's, it's something I, I try to, I don't know, become more of a curmudgeon, I guess. This is just like me getting old, old being like, no, the guys who have the command, it's not about the flash, Nick. And it, it's something I'm trying to be more um, disciplined about because like I have Hunter Green at like 70 because of this, because I look at Hunter Green and I just do not see someone I think can wrangle in all that he has to be a consistent performer. Um, and obviously all, all the other aspects of pitching in Cincinnati, but it's that kind of guy that I'm trying to avoid as much as possible now. And mm-hmm. I have Bryce Miller at like 57 because of this. Um, well, you got this, you know, it's interesting, like location plus Hunter Green's not too bad. 103. You're right. right, though. You know, some of that could just be throwing into the zone. He's definitely I've definitely watched him throw middle middle. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, I even watched him get swing strikes middle middle, though. Right. Like, oh, yeah. Well, of course, action, actually, so. swing strikes middle middle is not that uncommon because they're uh, training for stuff outside. They're not or either. Yeah, they're looking for something else and they see, oh, no, it's, it's down the middle. I got to try this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But if you just just using location plus, to, there, yeah. I think there is a sort of a, a minimum amount of at least a minimum amount of command. Yeah. Um, and, and, and there probably is a minimum amount of stuff. There's probably some sort of balance between the two. But like if I set the cutoff at 96 location plus, that's Shohei mm-hmm. Otani. Right. Right. Um, then there are very few pitchers last year that threw 50 innings as a starting pitcher below 96. And all of them, you'll be like, not a starting pitcher. So right. 96 is uh, not all of them, all but one, I think. So 96 and below uh, and mm-hmm. 50 innings last year. Michael Kopech, <laughs> Luis Medina. 
Oh, Medina, but Medina was like, he had a moment with his slider cooking, okay? It was fun. I was might like have some pairs, but, you know. Um, no, yeah, I know. Uh, Blake Snell's the only exception. Yeah, that's a weird one. Because cause what's Luis- so interesting about Snell is is that he, he played the best game of walking the tightrope. It, it, we've seen, I mean, when it comes to mistake rate, like he's number one in... Uh, the fewest number of mistakes thrown inside the zone, right? Right. And so, it, because it was, it, there were balls, absolutely. It's about like kind of the balance of it, right? Um, and he figured out how to do it. He's not going to do that again, though. I mean, we're, you want to talk about Blake Snell again for the twentieth <laughs> time this offseason? Like no. every time we talk about him, like I'm a little bit more in your <laughs> camp. Uh, Luis L. Ortiz. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Here might be the most interesting name, Emmett Sheehan. Oh, Emma Sheehan. So well, that's uh, and interesting. Tuki, Tuki Toussaint. But once you get down to Tuki Toussaint, you're also getting that low in stuff. I had it oh, sorted yeah, by stuff. With, yeah, he was always so strange of just like randomly the curve. And so if you're low in stuff weird? and yeah. low in locations, like I'm not betting on you. Right. Of course. But uh, among the names I just mentioned, I'll have a share or two of Luis Medina just because. You know, I think that I think the one thing that they're trying to do in Oakland is get guys who have poor fastball command, but they think might be able to command the slider. That's mm-hmm. Joe Boyle. And so they're like, just yeah. use the slider when you absolutely need a strike. Right. Right. And so that that's a passable way forward. We've seen that. That's kind of the Tyler Glass now story. Yeah. Well, you know? right. Why did he need that slider so much? Because he needed a pitch that he could throw in the zone for strikes, right. you know, over and over again. So that could be the story of Luis Medina. Um, I'm out on most of the other guys. I'm increasingly out on Snell just over time. It's just I'm being worn down by people like you. Uh, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Emmett Sheehan, though. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, Four command grades by from scouts. And huh. uh, I've watched some. I, it didn't strike me as horrid command, but not to me either. And I, I would even mention that Emmett does a really good job of focus with, I mean, he's a, he actually is able to keep his four seamer upstairs, which is good because he has a fantastic uh, arm angle. I mean, it's a 1.4 height adjusted VAA. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's really good uh, and good extension as well. 6.7. Uh, that's a really good four seamer to me. And there were times at the end of the year that his slider and his changeup worked. They were both kind of, locking in i i'm not quite as sold that he is a bad command guy i can understand it like he's on the fringe for me at the moment right i don't I mean, quite some of those high fastballs are it. in the chase zone i mean the waste right. zone. They're, they're past it they're, yeah they're just waste yeah right uh, i'm actually working with kyle to figure out a, a good term for that um because we don't want to say quite Right, waste because that means there's a def- there's an actual zone for that and everything. We want something different. That's just a ninety five percent chance of being a ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if there's a good word for it that we're going to use, but we'll have that because I think that's an important thing for efficiency to understand. Like, hey, how many of these pitches are just like terrible and we move aside? You know, waste. Uh, mistakes plus wastes, right? Also, like uh, Emmett Sheehan's uh, slider is lives in the in the waste zone too. Yeah, so that was that was the interesting part to me is. So there's two aspects of that. One is it looked better at the end. Hmm. And two, it was one of those common scenarios um, of sliders always being in the same place out of the zone. Like it's wasted out. 
Oh, but, but it's that's down just, in a way. That's the place he's, that's like right. the very slider. That's the, yeah. The, yeah, you're right. So yeah, then if he away. pulls that he's back, just, that's much more believable sure to, to me that. than like the Bybee slider. The Bybee slider is on the other side of it. Cause I imagine, I think you said like good location plus um, for, for Bybee. Um, maybe that was just stuff plus, but I, uh, he has like a lower schwalk rate on 8% or so. I don't believe in Bybee. I watch him and I don't see somebody who is like pitching like it's a playoff game. And what I mean by that is you watch a playoff game, you see like the starters that, that are going, they are so meticulous with every pitch. Mm-hmm. You know, you see Jordan Montgomery this off se- this this postseason having the best command of his career because he's mm-hmm. able to go right inside and do the whole neck beard approach of of everything down in the sideburns and nothing upstairs and just off the plate, right? Mm-hmm. Or out of the zone. And that is how essentially the best pitchers are constantly. Tanner Bybee can't really do that. There are yeah, so many high changes in the zone. There are sliders that are going in the wrong too. spots, but they get in the zone, but they were, they worked in the zone. And it's one of those things that I'm often like, I'm completely torn because I watch him and go, this is prime for a blow up of a, just, he doesn't have the, those elements on the other side of it. Like those things work in the zone. Maybe this stuff is just so good. That uh, that slider and changeup is winning because I hate the force. So, what are you giving Wu if he's yeah. not if you're not not giving him? So with uh, so with Wu, you're thinking like just better command of that of that cutter. Yeah, I think uh, so. I think his game plan at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it's really just give me a secondary offering you trust for strikes. That's all you need because and the then if you're not giving Wu, like, I think the, a fourteen or sixteen percent swinging strike strike rate splitter would be great. That would be a lovely addition against lefties. But honestly, the four-seamer works so well as it is against left-handers. But what are you giving Bryce Miller if you're not giving him a splitter? Cutter. 100%. He needs a cutter in the zone. Okay, so the cutter that's listed at Savannah is the driver slider. Or it's just not a good one. It's not something that, like, I don't at this moment trust Bryce Miller to throw an effective cutter consistently to lefties. All right, so yeah. what, what are you adding? What do you what are you giving to some pitcher? Oh man, so I've I've gone back and forth a lot of them. Uh, I'm going to go with guys who are actually kind of on the fringe that a lot of people aren't really talking about. Mm. Um, one of them is Tanner Houck, and Tanner Houck needs something to do against lefties. It doesn't. I mean, it could be as simple as a cutter. It could be a four seamer that you can throw inside for strikes. It could yeah. be uh, an effective changeup that isn't the splitter. Just something because. Uh, I say it constantly, sinker sweeper guys, oh boy, you're going to kill it against same handedness and you're going to be so bad against opposite handedness. And that's the problem for Hauk, right? It's the the sail big lateral breaking ball with a lively sinker that I don't trust to do front hit because no one can really do that except for the true elites against opposite handedness. Or your Marcus Stroman, it can always go down in a way, even though it's still not even like the greatest performing pitch he can survive with that. Um, so he tried a splitter and how through it, well, like 11% of the time for about a 54% strike rate. Like that's not it. No. So he needs to find something that he can go with. And honestly, the, the Red Sox as a whole, all embrace the cutter. Um, last year you have cutter Crawford, no pun intended, but Nick cutter, started sinker, to do it. It's a, yeah. it's, it's not called a sweeper, but it's like a big, big sweeping slider. It's like the whirly bird. Is it, maybe is what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so the cutter against lefties, he'd be more. Uh, he, he'd be cutter, stable. cutter yeah. splitter. You can also, I mean, 
Sweepers aren't necessarily high, some high throw. sinkers. <laughs> yeah, you could honestly, I'm not necessarily against that. I <sighs> uh, it the thing is high sinkers can work when you have something else. Right. Right. And you can't just throw that one. Actually, that it might go pretty well with a cutter if you think about it. You throw right. a high you throw a high cutter in. Yes. And then you throw a high sinker and they think it's the cutter. Yeah, and, and then, then it goes, goes the other way. way. That's great. And that's yeah. uh I love that. Um also sweepers, while they are worse than your traditional sliders and generally aren't very good. You the can, thing is um, that's when it's glove side. You can throw there are a lot of guys that throw back door. I mean, if you look at Chris Sale to right handers, what does he do with his slider all day? He throws backdoor cult strikes for a living. It takes well, that's why it's important that it's not like a sweeper that Hauk just learned. Like yeah. you can't right. really take a guy, give him a sweeper and say, Hey, let's let's do some, you know, let's yeah, do some right, front right. door sweepers. Yeah, like, what? You want me to take this sweeper I just learned, this huge movement profile <laughs> and be pinpointing with it and know? throw it at the at the pit at the hitter? Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or the other ones, the front door, like, you know, throw it way out there and assume it's going to get back to the strike zone. (laughs) Uh, No, no, no. I mean, I mean it more like a, like, how back door to a lefty is what I mean. Um, And that's how you can use a sweeper instead of doing it coming into a lefty, which is where it's going to get hit much harder. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if it has the depth of sales um, to be able to treat you playing. I actually need to look more into that so that you can actually use that as a whiff pitch. down and in but really it's you got to get that you got to get something to work there and honestly at the end of that rotation right now for the red sox it's how can whitlock right yeah, one of those whitlock two has just had the weirdest i know i think it's injury it's got to be injury like his stuff plus numbers plummeted when he came back and mm. yeah he was and so think- fun in 2022 also like he had like an absurd swing strike around his sinker against lefties doing the up and in thing actually yeah I mean, there's oh, definitely something to like about him. He can place his pitches, and he has many pitches. Yeah. And two legit put-away pitches in his change and slider opposite-handed, right? But the velo just goes way up and down. If the velo's not there, he's like a really yeah. bad fastball guy. I, right, right. I, I kind of want to determine this idea of a fragile fastball, like this idea that, oh. that there are some fastballs that once they lose a half tick or a tick are just going to be so much worse than others. I think I can do that pretty easily. Just looking at some of my interactions, um, I can see like there are certain places of like, if you have 17 IVB and you right. throw 96, yeah, like stuff plus would be like, yeah, that's fine. You know, but if you have 17 IVB and throw 94 and a half or 95 stuff plus is like, mm, now you're <laughs> right you, i'm sure you'd be able to see inside the model just like where those drop-offs are um, uh, yeah I, I but i want to kind of ask owen who does our modeling i want to ask him like just do it for me once so just take one mile an hour off of everybody yeah and just see who who drops the most so, yeah that's a good uh, good point and there's actually something, some point. something i want to add to that but before we do we gotta take a quick break VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. So something I've been actually thinking about a lot is um, you brought up, you know, um, vert and miles per hour inside of your models. And as I finally like had my enlightenment with pitch shape, uh, finally took me way too long um, over this offseason. Uh, I've realized the impact of extension and height adjusted VA is absurd um, in the sense of just at times I don't really care about um, 
sometimes I don't care about I, uh, vert at all. It's just extension in uh, high adjusted VA. Sometimes they have the greatest vert, but then they don't have, uh, you know, they don't have velocity or they don't have another aspect of it. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious where you're at with it. Uh, of I call it the fantastic four because it's the four aspects of getting a whiff. And which of those do you really lean most on when you're kind of looking at all this stuff? Uh, I still think Velo, like, you know, I still think Velo yeah. is because you're, I, I hear you about all these things, but like if you're short arming it and throwing 99, like you, there's, there's guys out there who do that. Like, yep. doesn't Bruce Dark Gratterall have like minus minus extension and like, <laughs> I'm not sure he's not out there getting whiffs, but you're gonna right. you can't tell me the bruiser Gratterall is bad because he well, you know, right. And actually, <laughs> the example for that to me is Jordan Hicks, who had one of the lowest ICRs on sinkers. And it's why actually I do believe that he could be really successful as a starter. Mm-hmm. Because and that's I mean that ties into this entire thing. He needs to add a strike pitch, something. The yeah, slider, he, whatever yeah, it is. He's not very good at command and slide. That's going to be what every his whole yeah. this whole experiment is going to come down to if he has a pitching command. Right. Can you throw it for a strike? Great. Because then sinkers work. And he actually does get a high strike rate on it. The, the slider is like a 55% strike pitch and that's it, right? So is there something else that adds to it? But it is so absurdly good inside the zone. And it, I think it goes back to kind of what you said on this podcast, which I thought was so... Um, this genius i was like oh of course duh was whiffs are about location and balls in play are about stuff more and sure obviously like we think of stuff and we think that's whiffs and everything i completely understand but when it comes down to it if you have like certain thresholds of it the locations are going to dictate whether that's a whiff or not while the overall stuff is going to say like well it's just going to be worse contact the key is swing right right like there's locations where you're just not going to get the batter to swing yeah Right, and if you want a whiff, a whiff in its definition is swinging strike. Yeah. So the first part of it is swing. Foul tip. <laughs> well, even if, even with your definition, the first part of it is swing, uh, and so that's why you have to, of course, adjust for counts. There are counts where people swing more, you know. Yeah. But then locations are the second biggest driver of swings. Mm-hmm. You know? um, so, so with Hicks. I mean, his and Gratterall, they have these high velocity sinkers that move and they aren't getting the whiffs because they aren't being commanded great, but the stuff is so good. Yeah, most people will take them. Effective, but right? if they do swing at them because of the count, so yeah. that so he has to get ahead somehow. Yeah, then right. Then he can throw the sinker, then they feel like they have to swing because of the count. Yeah. Right. Um there's a there's a good uh, video up by Foolish Baseball about how important the count is. Mm. And um it's it's really one of the simplest things about baseball that uh, if you ever like see someone trumpet uh, some results off a weird study that just doesn't make sense to you, they probably didn't account for the count. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, right. The right. count is just one of those things that sometimes people forget when they're doing research, but it is so incredibly it's, incredibly important. Yeah, it's it's why I, I talk about don't use average and MOBA to assess a pitch often because a lot of times they're used in certain counts that aren't beneficial for the pitcher yeah right like a guy can have a bad four seam that he uses to surprise people in o2 counts zach eflin and then and then all of a sudden it looks like a great four seam so then the pitching coach is like if you were the pitching coach and you say well that look at that woba why don't you throw that pitch more and then he gets (laughs) spanked and you're like i don't understand 
right uh, yeah account silly so I, I think that's a big deal um and so hicks hicks like um i guess there there is a cutter in there i think I mean, to me, he's a sinker guy, and then it's like, what else? I just would, like the the, the, the pitch that we want to bequeath to him. Oh yeah, no, I mean, to me, it's just like everybody just get a cutter. Okay, thanks. That's all you need. It's no. it actually he, he's not registered as throwing a cutter, so the mm-hmm. cutter could be the thing that's like, let's just find something that you throw like a fastball that doesn't move yeah. as much as your sinker. Call it a four right. seam. Call it a cutter. Like something that you can put in the zone. I mean, I mean. He's still averaging 100, even out of the off the mound. You know, off the starting right. mound, he's going to be 98 or something. And the real, the real thing I want to illuminate is look at Kodai Senga. I, I don't. I, I watch Kodai Senga, and I see someone who actually doesn't have the greatest four seamer command. It really bothers me because it should profile out to be this amazing elevated four seamer, and he just can't really do that often. Um, it's good by shape. Right. It's, oh, it's, I'm like, oh man, this should be really fun. And then he's, I see the shotgun blast. I'm like, okay, fine. And it's also like upper 90s um, at times too, which is just exciting. And I'm seeing like sub 10% swing strike rates on it. I'm like, okay. Then I see a ghost fork. Because they're not swinging at it because you can't command it. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Uh, And uh, and it drives me up the wall. Um, Same thing kind of with Shoei Otani's, by the way. Um, Mm. And also you Darvish's, which just, just go upstairs, please. Um, But I, you have his ghost fork, which obviously misses a ton of bats and is one of the more effective pitches out there. But how does he use it? He doesn't use it when behind at all. It's always when he's ahead uh, and it's a low strike pitch. Actually, there is a lot of the season. And I still the first swing four at or five that, months. That's one of those ones where it yeah. doesn't have a great zone rate. He doesn't command it, but they still yeah. swing at it. Well, I wish I had all this data for Tanaka's back in the day, too, um, because Tanaka was the same way of just had this fantastic splitter that would always stay out of the zone and would just get so many swings on it. Um, but he doesn't trust it to get that surprise strike at 2-0, right? It's not that, that, that even that 1-0, I don't really think it's there. It's more of cool. I'm ahead. I could see now him struggling see a little bit this year. You're just, right? you're, you're mapping it out. It's like, you know, they're not really swinging at the four seam and the cutter's not that great of a pitch. Well, here's the thing. So they're just going to sit cutter all the time. Well, the thing, the cutter is so good. And this is, this is the thing. The cutter itself as just, it's not really that exceptional of movement or anything, uh-huh. but my interpretation of Senga, and I've been coming around this entire offseason on this, is it's so it, it's at such a velocity band that you have this really hard ninety what six mile per hour four seamer or so that it's so hard to tell the difference between that four seamer and the cutter, and the cutter just moves enough that yeah, it's really low ICR rates on this. And it's a super high seventy percent strike rate. I that's weird. I have a location plus on a ninety five and a location plus on the four seam at ninety seven. <laughs> so it, I almost feel like, is it because it's a cutter think, location well, plus? Could could people step to the plate? And yes, it is. It's definitely right. You know, a cutter location. So plus. like but he throws he, he throws his cutter over the plate. I'm a batter. Okay. I'm coming up against Kodai Senga. Yeah. I'm not going to swing. I'm mm-hmm. not going to swing until you make me. Sure. And what he's going to do is he's probably going to, it's not going to be a walk. I don't think, I think it's going to be fastballs and cutters for strikes a lot in the zone. Even though it's, even though location plus says he doesn't really I think the location, I'm I'm going to, I mean, I could pull it up here to see. I guess if you obviously weren't swinging, you'd be like, okay, I can hit the zone. Well, sure. No, no. But I mean, I I think Senga really just attacks the zone a ton with four seamers and, and cutters. It's one of those, like it's a shotgun blast, but it's just like, it's like brash throwing down the middle kind of thing. Mm. Uh, right. 
and less of like the waste out of the zone on those four seamers and cutters. The, the ghost fork is out of the zone. Like it's purposefully down out of the zone. He does a really good job with that. But the or cutter is plays off forcing cutter in the zone enough. Yeah, so you that is what's working. You can't do nitro on either one of them. Right. And that's the point I'm getting at is it's not really this absurdly good movement cutter, but because he has this at this velocity band, he can get away with these. Hmm. And that's what ties it all together. And when I mention, cool, I want this guy to have a cutter or whatever, this is kind of what I'm talking about of it changes everything if you're at a certain velocity band. Bryce Miller, man, if you have that cutter that's just a little different than that four seam, all of a sudden it just makes things so Especially much harder. It doesn't mess up your four seam movement. Right. Well, that's the big trade off, right? That's what Gary Cole got upset about. That's what we've talked about here. But, but I think about. I think one of the hardest things for stuff less as a model is uh, parsing interaction effects between fastballs. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a tough thing because for we us put too. fastballs, yeah. fastballs are the anchor. So right. the way the way the stuff plus model says is you step into the plate as a hitter, you identify the hardest pitch the, the, that like you you have to time to it right. So as mm-hmm. a, if you're timing, you're timing your swing. You have to be on time to the fastball. That that is baseball one hundred and one. Um, right. Otherwise, you're just going to get blown away. So you time to the fastball, and when you time to the fastball, you're probably timing to a shape because you're saying, mm-hmm. okay, this is the place. This is how this pitch is going to come in. That's what I'm looking for. And then right. if they throw something in that same velocity band, like you're saying, that that's a hard pitch, but it moves differently, then you're kind of like screwed a little bit. Maybe you can say if it's in, it's going to be more of a cutting action. If right. it's out, it's going to be more of a rising action. And so I have, but now that's two thoughts. Yeah. I'm not just yeah. timing to a velo. It's like I have to mm, time to yeah. a velo here or tie a velo and shape here and tie it to a velo and shape there. And that already is getting me back and forth where then what if you can then throw a subpar slider, you know, that somehow right, right. goes right in the middle of that where you're like, I'm thinking, bah, 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 bah. oh, crap. <laughs> you know, yeah, that was exactly. Cutter, and it went three inches lower well, and I just swung over it. That's what you said. Unlocked Brandon Woodruff, right? Back in the day was him throwing this like, okay, Corbin, slider. But for Corbin strikes. Burns was like yeah. trying to be a four seam. When he went more towards the the cutter as the primary pitch, he yeah. didn't like just get rid of the four seam. Right? Yeah, sure. It just changed how people had to like sit in against him. So yeah, right. Um, last things on the on the Kodai Singa cutter. Uh, we have this stack called hitter performance, which essentially says, "Hey, PLV is predicting the outcome of this pitch." So there's like a baseline average. The average hitter is going to have this outcome on these all the pitches that he's thrown individually, mm-hmm. right? And then we assign a run value to it. And then whatever the actual result is, we get, give either a positive to the hitter or a positive to the pitcher, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so seeing a negative hitting performance means that this pitcher is getting better results on this than PLV and expects. PLV expects, yeah. Right. So <laughs> Kodai Senga threw his cutter 25% of the time and had a 99th percentile hitter performance. That is, it was a minus 12, which is so good for the pitcher. Uh, and that kind of, to me, showcases, right, we're not thinking that based on location or stuff of this cutter that exactly. it's getting the results it's getting. It's not just pure luck here. There's something else going on. And that's Partially what I'm because the force team is good, but we put cutters in as fastballs. Mm. Yeah. And in this case, it's it's acting as both a fastball and something that acts off the force. Yeah. It's so wild to me. I mean, yeah, the zone rate, by the way, 18th percentile for Kodai Senga's four-seamer, but it was actually 76th percentile for his cutter. 
Um, so I imagine a lot of that location stuff is like I'm looking at it. So like, what yeah, if, a lot of that's way too close to the middle. See, here's here's where it gets dangerous. Like, what if people last year were sitting on the four seam and this year they sit on the cutter? Yeah, it's possible. I mean, that's uh, I mean, it does for the four seamer more than the cutter, uh, but it, that could absolutely be it. But if you say if you tell me as a hitter, right. well, he's in the strike zone with the cutter and he's not with the four seam. Maybe I just it's, sit cutter. You know, you sound me. You sound like me shouting at the TV whenever Devin Williams is in a two strike count. I'm like, guys, it's a change up. Hi, <laughs> don't swing. It's the first pitch of a two strike count. Like, come on. Seems so obvious, but it, I mean, it's probably kind of a delectable looking pitch before it just disappears. I know it, it's just it's so hard. You can be as disciplined as you want, but then when you're actually in the box, it can very well just go away. I've got a bonus one. I just came up with. Oh yeah, no, please. I, I have another one too. I didn't know if you had a second. So I, I I did an absolute value uh, of the platoon difference so that yeah. you get lefties and righties. And uh, just, to, uh, just to, you know, sort of run down it real quick. Brian Wu is number one. Mm-hmm. Taj Bradley is number two. Sure. Um, Hayden Wisniewski, I don't know if he counts as a starter, but he's there. Gavin I mean, he Williams. A sleeper, so. <laughs> Gavin Williams. Yeah, he's kind of the cut sweeper change guy, but, you know, only the sweeper is yeah. that good. Gavin Williams is there. Um Next one is Jameson Tyon. I'm a little surprised by that. Uh, then you got Bryce Miller, Tanner Houck. Our boy Tanner Houck is go. in the top 10. Yep. Um, I'm and surprised the second name hasn't appeared yet. Tyler Wells. That I have. Um, and Chris Bassett is, is down there. Really? There's a bunch of uh, relievers that I that guess it's thinker it focus for Bassett is why. Yeah. I'm a little but surprised. I mean, Nick Pavetta is even on here. Uh, maybe Pavetta. that has to do with the Green Monster. That's possible. Shane Bieber is on here. He's like all cut, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Sean Manai is on here. And just as a side, if I could give him any pitch, it would be uh, a pitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm being rude. Uh, I just well, mean he's like he's changed things this offseason too. A, a secondary pitch, like I mean, yeah. a pitch other than yeah. his fastball. Like I want to. He, he's saying actually that he's doing a cutter right now. Um, yeah, and he's changed his changeup grip for like the eight millionth time. Right. I love talking to him because every time he's changed his changeup grip. And he's also he's such an interesting guy. Um, yeah, and I love I love that he's actually getting a true opportunity. Like he got one for a couple of weeks last year with the Giants, and like yeah, we're good. And I, was I think so you know he had the sweeper it. last year. I think cutter right. sweeper is really interesting because the four the, the the fastball he's got can actually work to both sides. Yeah, and it's a decent pitch. So I'm always waiting for him to have this like secondary pitch breakout. But right. the name on that list that I want to give a pitch to, it's really weird for me. And it's it's rare that you get this. Um, and it's kind of funny that it's from the same organization that uh, gave Tyler Glass now his uh, slider is I want to give Taj Bradley a slider. No, I want to give him command. <laughs> well, sure. <laughs> but, you know, the cutter, he was the cutter doesn't work to righties. Mm. Um, and it works just enough to lefties. He actually does put it in decent locations uh, to lefties. It has a decent enough shape. It's 90 miles an hour. I think his fastball can work against both sides. And then uh, the splitter is not great, and he needs to get enough command to get ahead to even throw it. So the splitter is not the answer. Uh, the curveball is okay, but it's curveballs are a weird out pitch right on right. You know, a lot of yeah. times they're a great sort of third pitch. Mm-hmm. You know, and you've seen a lot of guys who had great curveballs like Max Fried and Tyler Glass now actually take a step forward when they started going more to a slider and using the curve almost as a change. Sure. You know, yeah, the curve right, is right. more of a, a change of pace, you know, mm-hmm. a, a velo band change and stuff. So 
I'm just looking at Taj Bradley and I'm like, uh, like a true, even a gyro, but like a sweeper. But, you know, again, I guess you're right. Giving a sweeper to a guy without command is uh, like sort of just giving him a grenade that's got the pin out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's really tough with uh, with Taj Bradley. Um, he doesn't have, a, he has a kind of like an average uh, arm angle. It's it's fine extension. It's like 6'4", which is actually slightly um, below average. Pretty good um, movement, though, right? The, yeah, the big thing is it. the vert, which is yeah. above 18 inches. And he throws yeah. it at 96. So that is what's carrying it for Taj Bradley. I've watched a lot of him, and there are some innings where he's brilliant. That he curveball looks so, looks good, so good. It falls yeah. from the sky, lands low. He's got the four seam that stays up. He's got a cutter that lands down and away, and it's just like, you're you're done. And then the next one, he just can't execute a single pitch. Yeah. Um. And I agree with you that like a slider actually one that isn't as vicious of movement has more than the cutter. Yeah. Um, would work, would be something that would, and especially that, you know, what I'm seeing from all this stuff is it does seem like to me that he's a little more over t- the top than your typical guy, like slightly so. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's hard to get that much IVB without being in some way, which means that you can have that stiff wrist, like Worth and slider a bit, um, which might work for him. Uh, I would say that, you know, in terms of his command, I wouldn't sort of write him off yet. I mean, he he started pitching mm-hmm. in high school. Uh, he did not pitch much before that. So he hasn't pitched a lot in his life. And the Rays, according to Taj, the Rays gave him every pitch he has. So he didn't even have these pitches in high school. Oh, wow. And I was like, so you've always had vert, right? And he's like, no. I was in, <laughs> in instructs with the Rays and they were like, throw it like this. And then they were like, that's really good. <laughs> I was like, okay. So uh to some extent he's kind of just a baby with these with these mm-hmm. like adult hands, you know. Yeah. Um and to the other extent, there's some relationship between command and workload ability and fatigue. Oh sure. Know? And of course. so yeah. we know on a like game to game level that when we model fatigue, we see command drops off even before stuff does. Yeah. And so, you know if you think about that in terms of a season long instead of a game long, then there's probably uh, players that come into the league with better command um, and then are going pitching in, in into innings they've never pitched before. Sure. And struggle with the command. Tanner Bybee, you know, was came with really high command scouting grades, you know, from an organization that touts command came in with a 96 monar fastball and command and left the season with a 93 mile an hour fastball and spotty command. Mm-hmm. So, you know, which one do we believe in? And sure. which games were you watching when you, you thought he wasn't commanding it? What oh, time of the season? Were yeah. You? I mean, I remember from the beginning, it was first, it was, hey, I didn't understand the fastball shape of Bybee. And he wasn't getting it up enough. And then I think by the end, he got better at that. Mm-hmm. But then, but then there were so many games he was just like, okay, slider, please. Like, I hope this one works. And, even earlier on, um, I mean, I remember early on being like, oh, man, I get this. Like the first game I saw, I actually believed in the four pitch mix um, and that all four did look good to me. Um, but then it was shortly after that. He doesn't have really good shape, does he? It's almost exactly no. average vertical shape. Yeah, Four seamer is not a good pitch to me. And yeah. it's actually the most classic Guardians pitcher. And my best comp is Bad, Carlos Carrasco um, in this way. Or at least you uh, say Josh Tom. Slider changeup focus, right? It's just like Carrasco commanded his better back in his heyday. Tanner Bobby, 
Uh, stuff plus on the fastball, 91. Ouch. Gavin Williams is actually the least Guardians-like uh, pitcher yes, in a Yes, super while. high extension. Really nice fastball. Yeah, really nice stretch Armstrong is what I call those guys. Two-plane fastball. Uh, he had a, a large platoon split here, and it's because of command to lefties, uh, it looks like. Um, although Stufflust loves his changeup. So. Oh, that's interesting. Kevin Williams in an interesting spot. Maybe maybe do we both like Gavin Williams a touch better than Tanner Bybee? I, I've debated oh that a ton. I, would, I actually, in October, I think I had Gavin Williams and Tanner Bybee back-to-back, and that was me saying, I don't like Tanner Bybee, but he was so good this year that I'm going to also understand that I'm constantly wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, like, you know, I need to always bake that in. Like, sure, I feel really good about this, but also I'm not going to tell you to necessarily do this because I get that this looks crazy, and, like, I could be very much missing something obvious. Right. Um, on the change-up, did not have a good feel for that. Um, I'm, I'm looking at that's just probably why I'm looking at a six walk, walks per nine against lefties from Gavin Williams. Um, and uh, as far as the pitches that he trusted, uh, the slider, I mean, it was four seamer focused. Curveball was curveball for Gavin Williams as a whole was just not a good strike pitch. Yeah. Uh, and he relied on that most of all his secondaries uh, in 2023. With uh, the four seamer, it was a if we could give Gavin Williams break, a really good breaking and, ball. We might, well, we might have something. Well, I mean, I think he has one with a slider. Uh, is I, <laughs> this is really the thing to me here. Is four seamer was thrown fifty seven percent of the time. I'm a huge believer in ICR. Again, that is ideal contact rate. Essentially, when the ball is hit in play, is it good for the batter? Or good for the pitcher? And forty eight percent ICR in the four seamer against lefties last year. So that is a very high mark. That is like absurdly good for for hitters. It's like bottom 10th percentile for a pitcher. And he's throwing it up and away. And he's throwing it not inside at all. And there's just nothing to prevent guys from just, okay, extending the barrel of the bat and focusing on that his, completely. His as changeup got hit hard. Um, yeah, 54% ICR, as you see there. But the slider was only a 21% and a yeah. 75% strike rate. So... Uh, that wasn't his two-strike pitch 41% of the time. I However, like if I were to give an adjustment, it would be, oh hey, the throw more fighters against lefties. So, uh, yeah, I would say adding Gavin Williams as like, cool, yeah, change up against lefties sounds good, like a good one that you can command. That would be nice. Um, but yeah, get, get away from the power change. Because he's yeah. a power pitcher. Like, throw a power right. change. Don't worry about the velo gap. Right. You know, just throw. Is it a power change? Uh, it's 88 versus 85, 86. But it could have, yeah, it is a power change. Just get, just throw it as hard as you can and get better. Yeah, command. Throw the fosh. That's what you do. That anytime yeah. it's like, if you don't know what the fosh ball is, at least in my view, it's you essentially have a two seamer grip and instead of going full split, like go halfway between a split and a two seamer as you go up. It it's just like loose. Off, off. I don't even have. I don't even do it where. I mean, I guess so. Yeah. I have my, my ring finger loosely on the side on the right. Uh, I used to throw this a ton. You have to make well, sure no, the Fosh is supposed to come off these weak fingers. Of the of the the ring finger? It's so Tim Lincecum's slitter grip is like this, but yeah. he has these fingers on it. Right, but that's more so of a when he releases though. it, it comes off those fingers. Right. Oh, so like, yeah, like he pronates off of it, you're saying. It's the dead fish. It comes yeah, off the right, off right. the, off the uh, weakest. So I, I get, I guess it does in the form, a sense of like, uh, like I always thought about it's trying to stay over the top of it, but I guess at uh-huh. the very end it does roll off. Uh, as I pronate off, it goes off that middle finger or yeah. the ring finger rather. Um, I guess what I'm getting at is 
you take that two seamer grip I used to do it where it's just straight down the tracks is what I think mm-hmm. uh, Lou Thorpe would say because yeah. the Aussie would think down the tracks let's go I love that um, <laughs> and then you spread out like it's going to be a splitter but you don't actually get it so that the ball is at the base of your fingers you do it a little bit in between where you're still on the the first joint of your index in your middle and there's still a gap it's between not deep in your hand the yeah, ball, it's, right it's in your fingers and your fingers. right so it's still going to come out slower and it's going to yeah. have some drop to it but it's not as egregious as a splitter and you can have more command of this and yeah there's that, a lot of people who call them. splitters that are throwing those so like so that they call that a splitter yeah there are oh, a lot of people throwing splitters that they're actually throwing what i call the fosh yeah um and that's why i always thought the like when i asked uh, kevin gossman he's the, like it's, it's actually kind of a fosh i always assumed and i think F- i've been gossman wrong. thinks of his as a as a fosh hmm I, i've been i think i've been proven Let's wrong but i always assumed that felix fosh, and uh granky those hard change-ups that they threw yeah that were like the same speed of their fastball i always assumed they were some version of that clip i think it's more of a he wouldn't show me his grips when he was playing if he's retired <laughs> i'd be the first thing he's like can you send me a grip picture of that fucking he goes, can you thing? send me a dog <laughs> <laughs> grip picture um, grip picture yeah right not a, not, um not so that. so i i have one more picture to talk about uh we're gonna talk about briefly uh but first we have to take one more break ophthalmologist dr strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. So the last one is Clark Schmidt. Uh, because he's to me someone who is made perfectly for a right-hander, understands how to use a sinker, has all the weapons you'd ever want against a right-hander, but just cannot figure anything out against a lefty. <laughs> and keeps trying different things. And and he just it, it just can't get there. And, uh, you know, I even was thinking like, cool, I want Spencer Strider to throw a cutter. That's that's not, don't go for the changeup anymore, you know? You want to be a cutter, okay? That's the new one we should be leaning on. Not the curveball. I don't know what the purpose the curveball is going to be, save for like a show-me pitch. For Strider, it's like maybe five percent usage. That's nice. He could use he it against lefties. He needs a, he needs a cutter. But Clark Schmidt, I I don't quite know what the answer is um, because he is trying to do the cutter thing inside, and I think he's tried to do the cutter the the cutter the the change up thing outside. Um, it's really a four seamer. It's a four seamer that he actually likes against lefties. Yeah, uh, and he doesn't trust his four seam. I mean, that's yeah. something that's been going away and going away and going away. Right, and I don't quite know the answer, but what I, I guess what I'm getting at is the purpose of this is identify like, okay, who are the pitchers that we're looking for one last thing for them to be a real complete pitcher? And Schmidt needs that because I actually see him, I mean, let's say the Yanks go and get Snell, which it doesn't sound like they are at this point. I could be wrong about that, but like, I'm just going to assume they don't and they have Schmidt as their number five. There is a lot of intrigue there to me because Clark Schmidt does really well against righties and that's the majority of batters he face. It's a winning ball club. It's generally a good defense. He's got a lot runs. of pitches, but he's right. He's, he's going to go five, six innings constantly. But he's, and he's, the he's last tried all these pitches against lefties. He's I know. tried and all these thrown The sinker more, the cutter. He's even throwing the sinker against lefties more just to try something else. Right? <sighs> like, I don't, I don't really know the answer. 
Uh, and I wish I did. And it's always really fun. Well, I'm like, okay, cool. I can just yell at this person from afar being like, hey, hi, do that thing. Um, He's but- also just so like agreeable and affable and he's smart. such a good guy i love him and he like you know he's you know he he's talks to the analytics guys now yeah. there's you know some scuttlebutt that like you know cole's got his own analytics and uh and clark's maybe listening to that instead of the team analytics guy i mean there's there's a little bit of actual kerfuffle happening mm. in the yankee sphere when it comes to analytics but um you know, I trust him to be listening and trying. And that's one right. thing you said earlier that I really agree with is just, you know, it's it's better to hear that someone has come to to, to spring training trying a new pitch. You yeah. want to hear that. Even yeah. if they if it doesn't make it all the way to, to the regular season, that's another point I want to make is like we will hear a lot of pitches that don't ever make it to the regular season. They don't they don't end up trusting it. Yeah. They can't command it. They they don't it gets hit a couple times in spring. Sometimes that's all it takes. Like pitchers just see give give up one blast on the thing. I'm like, nope. Yeah. F that well, pitch. Yeah, Tyler even mentioned that he wanted to do cutters inside of Lefties last year, but I think like the first couple of weeks, like he threw a perfect one to Brandon Marsh and it got destroyed. He's like, Well, never mind. Yeah, right, exactly. It's like it's just one. Try it at least one more time. I mean, I think he had a couple moments, but that's the one that he that really stuck out to him. Um, and actually looking at uh Clark Schmidt now, uh what he does right now against lefties is it's 70% cutters, which aren't inherently terrible. Like this is fine. It's not amazing, and he could command a little bit better, but five stuff plus, so supposedly a decent cutter. But 39% ICR could be better, but we'll take that if that's where you're throwing 34% of the time. You're the problem is that there's really nothing to back it up. Um, he's trying to use his sweeper as a backdoor called strike pitch. It does have a ton of them, 28%, but it's a 46% ICR, and he throws this nearly that was, a quarter of a time. That's what he told me last year. I did see him halfway through the, se- the year. He said that he was getting away from like just trying to throw his highest stuff us pitches all the time mm-hmm. and trying to find a way to unlock mixes and like things that worked you know right and he and he's like i know the sweeper has bad platoon splits but if i don't throw it against lefties i become like a two-pitch pitcher yeah and i can't be a two-pitch pitcher i'm not my two pitches aren't aren't strider right you know so i can't be a two-pitch pitcher against them so he, he his answer for the second half was to throw more sinkers and sweepers to lefties um just to kind of find something to keep them off balance. It, it is really interesting to think of the, um, he doesn't have a change of 3% and that might help. Uh, it could be, honestly, he doesn't throw his four seamer at all against them. I know that sounds stupid uh, just because you know, he's moved away from it completely and it's not really the, the arm action for it and all of that. But to me, it's there are other um, guys who have like kind of crappy four seams, but they would make it make work it with work. this kind of mix. Yeah. Right. And especially if you're throwing 34% cutters, you can surprise and, one of my favorite things, um, I'm, I have to say them as every podcast, uh, Cole Reagans does this, is he plays four seamer cutter games inside to opposite uh, handed batters. And you can see how much it messes them up. Uh, if you're even, uh, Cole Reagans plays the four seamer cutter game to opposite handed batters, right? So, to right handers. Four seam cutter, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, it cutter comes inside when you think it's a four seamer, and they, then the four seamer stays on. Yeah. And it nails inside corner, right? I mean, Max Freed, we don't really consider that a high stuff plus fastball. But he's so good at getting that inside to surprise guys. Mm-hmm. Um, Eduardo Rodriguez actually uses a sinker as it's called strike pitch, right? Uh, inside the righties to just surprise I think, him. I think the answer is like like we are playing in the theoretical space here. And oh, we want to give people a, a pitch out of nowhere. 
I think the answer would be for him is like a, a great force. Like with a great force yeah. seam, he would be a great pitcher. Oh my gosh, he would be so good. He'd be so good. But, you know, just looking at the stuff plus on a sinker, I've got a 67. It, he makes it work against righties. Yeah. Um, uh, I just, he profiles kind of as a bad fastball guy. And I right. think, you know, there's something very similar with Clark Schmidt, Hayden Wisniewski, and Michael King. They, they were built by the same team in very similar fashions where they mm-hmm. were given a sweeper, a cutter, you know, and they were kind of sinker sweeper guys and who were supposed to be cutter four seam or cutter change against lefties. So four pitches of which two are more dominant to each side. That yeah. was kind of, that's a mode that the Yankees were in at yeah. one point. Michael King came out of that with the best sweeper in baseball, one of the best sweepers in baseball uh, and a, a power sinker. And he's the best of the bunch. So without a doubt. And the changeup is really good with King too. I keep I falling say. back to this now. If you want to give me a guy who has a great breaking ball and not great fastballs, if you want to put your Tanner Bybee up against my Bobby Miller or Taj Brad, even a Taj Bradley, I know that I'm stretching it because Taj Bradley has bad command, but I'm going to bet on the ones with good fastballs first. Mm-hmm. I just yeah. think that is a better way to do it. There are guys who come out of this, you know, and we're be- we're hoping on on Clark to do this to cu- that come out of it with not a great fastball, but just figure out how to place everything. Yeah, but they are usually not the Garrett Coles. They don't turn into the superstars. They turn yeah. into you know guys that are are good and and fine. But they you know if you want the next Garrett Cole, you need to be shopping in the good fastball bit. Oh, without without a doubt. Um, I actually say this about prospects. I put out my believe it or not. You know, I have a top one hundred. Starting Prospects, pitching prospect right. article, which is the most ridiculous thing ever. I'm not doing that. Um, and I'm and I already got like, <laughs> well, where's this guy? You forgot him. I'm like, of course I did. Uh, you know, because for starting prospects, you know, Jake from uh, uh, um, from uh, or I think it's Jake uh, Jordan. I forget which one it is. They want to know every player in college baseball. Oh my god, no. <laughs> That's my reaction. I was like, oh, this is good for you, but I would never try that. <laughs> that is, I mean, look, the way I see it is like, I need to know every starting pitcher. I've actually dreamed of doing this for years of, look, Nick, you are the starting pitching guy and you can't be Can surprised. each one? Up in the air. And I need to be able to be like, cool, I know, at least now I have a baseline of the likely impact starting pitchers. Like last this time last year, I kid you not, um, it was just Grayson Rodriguez and Brandon fought. That was it. And someone talked to me about Bobby Miller at First Pitch Florida, which I'm going to be at next week. And I was like, I don't know. That. And <laughs> it was like, that's where I was at, you know? And I actually, this is one of the funnier things to me is I had this big realization that the Dodgers were going to lean on their young guys. Like instantly. I was like, oh my gosh, I got to figure out who the, who the good productive Dodger is. But yeah. I didn't know about Bobby Miller. So I'm like, I'm going to James Anderson and be like, James, so what do we think about Michael Grove? Like, like, is that the one? Cause he's going to get the opportunity. He's going to do it. He's, is he good? Is he not? I mean, now in retrospect, I'm like, it's a terrible four seamer. It was just a good slider. Yeah. But if I had known about Bobby Miller, then I would have been like, Bobby Miller's the guy, right? right. Cause I just didn't take my time and do my due diligence. We should so be able to name, uh, what, 10 starting pitches for every team? Like the, all the way from one to 10, like it's sort of a depth chart. Well, right. Exactly. I should be able to have that understanding of like, if this guy goes down, these are the ones that they're going to go to. Do I care about this one? Like Bone and Francis. I actually kind of care about that guy. Yeah. That's a really good fastball. His numbers know? are really interesting. Um, but I, so doing that, I've, I lead it off that article and pretty much say, these are the things that I'm looking for and how I'm doing this. 
And number one by far is overwhelming fastball. Mm. It is like if you're trusting a prospect pitcher in this year and any of these guys really that were thinking like, cool, we just need some extra elements. The foundation that is strongest and most consistent is an overpowering fastball. You and quiet. I don't mean I a do. wild. <laughs> it can be really good, but if it's wild and, and unruly, it's not a good fastball in my view. If this is the one that's like, I do this, I, I attack them with my four-seamer, and then everything else builds off of that. Cannot express that enough. You look at the successful ones from last year, Bobby Miller, Yuri Perez, Grace Rodriguez, all these guys are rooted in that, and that's why we're excited about them. So going through this, uh, the second one, the second most important thing is, do you have mechanics that actually speak to being able to do this consistently in any way? That's that's before uh, <laughs> we used to say, by the way, you know, it's not a pitchless podcast until we hear a dog in the background. <laughs> um, and by the way, that is Iggy, not to be confused with Smalls. Just kidding. The other one is named. Uh, I can't remember now because I wanted to. It's uh, Iggy. It's Iggy Pup and Buster Douglas. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, almost will rival Ursillo and Soto. Um, but. But anyway, it's about mechanics and is this repeatable? Is this something that I feel like watching you that, yeah, cool, you are going to dominate with this four-seamer. It's not just like being that overpowering. Mm-hmm. So I cannot agree more with you that having that fastball is how you become Garrett Cole. Like if you look at the top 15 for us this year in, in our rankings. Like it's all four-seamer guys, save for who? Like Webb and Nola. Right. And even he has a fastball that could be much better if he elevates it, you know? So it's one, the only the only hesitation I have, and maybe we'll save this for another one, is just um, you know pitching is staying ahead of the game, and I, I just wonder, you know, when those pendulum swings again, right? Yeah, like I have been like I just took a, I'm in a in a draft right now where I just took Fromber as my first pitcher because I'd I'd been waiting on pitching, but also because you look at Fromber's history and he's been so solid and yeah. so like good and part of probably why people have a hard time with them is that like he's got one of the best sinkers in the game and they just don't see that many of them but it's also one of the worst sinkers. it's so <laughs> drives me up the wall okay fromber let's do sinkers for the next one yeah well it's absolutely uh, actually that's a really fun conversation yeah. uh so looking forward to that one uh that's gonna likely do it for this episode <laughs> like it is gonna do it for this episode of the craft you know what are you working on right now I uh, just put up my uh, deep pitchers uh, with uh, Mr. Cody Bradford on it. Uh, right. Deep hitters is coming out uh, in, in a couple of days. <laughs> and uh, yeah, maybe I'll do fragile fastballs uh, before I go to spring. But yeah, come, going to spring soon uh, and uh, just enjoying life. This is draft season. TGFBI is about to start. Uh, oh, yeah. Just in a, I'm in a draft right now where... Uh, uh, I once again took Ellie De La Cruz, YOLO, baby. <laughs> what is it like? Second round, third round, third round. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, I hope that works out well for you. Um, on our side, I finally got we, Bobby Miller in this one. It's my oh, first share. I, I just did a mock. We're at the six, seven turn as the 12. I think I took Bobby Miller and Reagan's. I just couldn't. I, do yeah, I, I think I went five, six from her, uh, from her and Bobby. Oh man. Just, yeah. Just, honestly, I want every team. I want to be Bobby Miller and Cole Reagan's. I cannot. <laughs> From um, Bobby's such a weird pair. And then SP3 showed up Minaga. 
Um, <laughs> it's gonna be so good, you know. He is a command guy with all the skills and everything, and it's just there. It's fastball, it's a, the best fastball in the Cubs. By it's far. unbelievable. Um, anyway, I what we're working on is we have some fun in season tools that we're working on for PL Pro guys. Uh, one is our PLV apps for minor leaguers. So we can actually utilize all the PLV stuff that we do for hitters and pitchers and compare them to major leaguers and say like, look, this guy has those skills much better than just looking at, say, swing strike rates or O swings or stuff like that. So we're really stoked about that one. Um, and I uh, should be around uh, close to opening day. Awesome. So uh, lots of fun stuff here. Oh, and uh, another thing uh, for you, New York listeners. Yes, uh, I do believe that uh, Nick will be attending one of those. We'll, we'll figure oh, out. I'll, which I'll one. be there at both. I don't care. It's going to be so fun. Be a guest on our live podcast, Rates and Barrels, is coming to New York City, March twentieth and twenty first. Other half in Williamsburg this time. Uh, sorry, uh, we'll yeah. give you we'll give you a special beer and sandwich for for making the <laughs> trek out. Um, and, uh, it's just more space and, uh, we get to do a live podcast with me and Derek Van Riper and Trevor May, uh, and we will take, uh, live questions and Nick will be the guest on one of those and we'll oh firm up those details in the coming days. I am so touched to be part of that. I am very upset. Of course, it's not 10 minutes from where I live. It's now in Williamsburg, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but no, that's going to be so much fun. I'll be there on both days. Cause how could I not be? Um, can't wait for that. Uh, but that is it for this episode of The Craft. On behalf of Enosaurus, my name is Nick Pollock, and we'll study the craft again next week. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.